It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the 94 Feet Report. I'm your host, as always, Eric Spropolis. We are brought to you today, as usual, by Fan Essentials and uh, Daily Fantasy Nerd. For Fan Essentials, use promo code 94FEET at checkout for 30% off your first subscription of Fan Essentials. And for Daily Fantasy Nerd, make sure to check out the link on some of our episode descriptions and on Twitter. This is episode 3 of Free Talk Friday. If you've missed our previous two episodes, uh, you can check them out on the site or on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, the structure of this show is really you know, casual conversation. We don't bring up any advanced numbers. We just kind of talk off the top of our head, casual you know, conversations you would have with friends or, or coworkers and, and stuff like that. We are joined again, once again, by Alex Bropolis. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Always glad to be here on the uh, third episode of Free Talk Friday. Um, so today we'll be talking, our main uh, segment of the show, we'll be talking about, you know, top players slash prospects of, who are 23 and under. And so this was actually inspired by Nate Duncan and the Dunked On Basketball Podcast. Um, they rank, you know, a bunch of these players by tiers. So what we're going to do is um, we're going to select our top 10 from a group of uh, players that are 23 and under and rank them and then talk about, you know, uh, in terms of like building a franchise, which one would you pick? And you know, obviously factoring in injury risk and stuff like that. Um, and then we'll give our opinions on players resting games. Um, so without further ado, I think it'd be best if we kind of go maybe you know three at a time because I know we both agree okay. on the top three. Yeah. So um, our, my top three, uh, both of our top threes are Anthony Davis at number one, Carl Anthony Towns at number two, and Giannis and Nakupo, Greek Freak at number three. Uh, you know, you can justify why you had them at top three, and I'll give my reasons. I think they're probably pretty similar. I think that when you're looking at the group of young players in NBA, I think these three stand out almost in a class of their own. I mean, Anthony Davis, you really can't compare him. He's putting up, I think he's, he's leading the league in points. Um, you know, he's a great uh, rim protector. And in that age group of young guys, he's by far and away the most developed and the most uh, pronounced in his NBA career thus far, just having more years in the league. Um, Carl Anthony Towns as well is just a very young natural talent and you can already see him progressing from his first year to his second year. Um, and the same thing with Giannis in Milwaukee. So I think those three guys are definitely the top three when you're looking at young guys in the league. I don't know why, why did you have them that way? Uh, well, Anthony Davis, I mean, what he's doing this year, I mean, if you take him off that, that Pelican team, what do they have? One win? I mean, right, probably. the guy's going off, he has, I think he's like still leading the league in player efficiency rating and he's like, number one or two in scoring. I know he just put up 35 and 14 yesterday right. in a, a Pelicans win. I mean, it just when he's healthy and when he has some kind of you know team around him, he's just almost unstoppable. He literally beat the Pacers last night on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, Carl Anthony Towns, I mean, 
I don't know what else there is to say. I mean, even if we did these rankings like last November, I'd probably put him at number two. Right. That's how much that's how much talent he showed last year, and he's just continued to show it this year. Um, though the wins aren't coming, but that's not only on him, of course. And uh, Yanis, um, the Greek freak, I think is most improved player of the year right now, the leading candidate for me. Probably, the guy yeah. is averaging. He's on pace to do uh, 22 points per game. Uh, at least eight rebounds per game, at least eight, six assists per game, at least two blocks, and at least two steals per game, which has never been done in NBA history. Right. And he's 22 years old. Exactly. And the Bucks are 500. So, I mean, honestly, if we do these rankings next November, Giannis might even pass Towns. I don't know. That's how good Giannis has been this season. I think Giannis has been better than Towns this season, but I think Towns will still progress to be better, if not the same level. Maybe tied next it's year. Kind of, Maybe yeah, tied. The top, I mean, besides AD, two and three could probably switch, I think, in my opinion. Moving to number four... This is where we. This is where our lists just completely differ for right. the most part. Yes, I've got Kristaps Porzingis, and you have. I have Andre Drummond. Okay, um, why don't you go ahead and explain? I had Drummond at seven, so you putting him at four is significantly higher than I have him. Explain why you put Drummond at four. Right. So I think that Andre Drummond is one of those players in the NBA that is just an, a rebounding machine. I know he doesn't necessarily, you know, put up the most efficient stats. Um, you know, he's a horrible free throw shooter, um, but I think that, you know, a lot of the focus has been taken away from him because of the fact that he plays in Detroit, so I think that, um, I think that Andre Drummond is very underrated, and I think that, you know, he's still young, I think he's, what, 23 years old, I still, he's yeah, just I at he the could... cusp of our, yeah. of our grouping, but, you know, he averages o- easily over 12, 11, 12 rebounds a year, in addition to 15, 16 points, which is ex- extremely impressive considering that he's very young and that he doesn't until Reggie Jackson came there he didn't have that much talent around him and he didn't have that proper coaching until Van Gundy came this most recent year so that's why I have him at four I think he's a little bit underrated compared to a lot of the other young guys yeah I think I think he's a little underrated too I mean I'm a fan of I put him at seven um which is is still pretty high if you're talking about this list but uh my concerns with Drummond is that one the free throw shooting you cannot play him you cannot play him now. I know that the rules have changed for hack up, whatever. Right. But still, there are there are times when you cannot play him on the court because they can hack him. Now, it, the hacking has gone down, and that's not a serious mm-hmm. concern. But it is a concern. He's still shooting forty something percent from the line. Right. But I think and, that I think that if you, if you can if you can just focus him on shooting free throws, just have him practice it a lot. That's but that's, a, but that's something you can that fix, though. I guess have we? Dwight Howard's rather, been doing it for ten years, and he's still shooting fifty percent. I guess, but fifty percent is better than what Andre Drummond shoots. So well, I guess. my other pro- my other not concern about Drummond is that th- does he have an offensive game? The reason why I'm putting Porzingis because Porzingis is great on defense. He is one of the elite rim protectors and provides two blocks per game, um, and so. Porzingis has shown that he can play defense, and he's not even playing at center, which is where most people assume he can unlock his full right. potential as a stretch five. Right now, he's playing power forward next to the horrible Joachim, Joachim Noah. Right. But Porzingis has shown that he can be a good, if not, dare I say, great defender on the inside. Not as good as Drummond, but still not bad. He's well above average. And the offensive potential, 21 points per game, 8 rebounds per game, shooting two threes per game. He still provides two blocks per game, shoots, shoots almost 80% from the free throw line. He's the unicorn. Right. He can do both ends. Right. I'm concerned about Drummond being a focal point on an offense. Well, I'm I'm confident that Porzingis will be a we'll focal point on an offense. Well, I think that one of the reasons, and I do think Porzingis is very talented. And in fact, I in our last time I was on the show, I picked him to be most improved player of the year. Um, but I think that 
Another reason I picked Drummond is because, well, two things. One, he's proven that he can do it consistently over the years. He has four or five years of, of league experience playing in the league, putting up the consistent numbers. And also that he very rarely misses games. You know, he had, I think, like a couple years where he played every single game. So injury is not a risk for him for a young guy compared to some of the other guys on the list. Anthony Davis is a concern. You know, a couple of other guys that we're going to talk about later also have injury problems. Yeah, no. Um, I think I'm putting Porzingis ahead at four. I'm putting Porzingis at four just in general, just not even talking about, about Drummond, just because he can do it. I think he will be a focal point on both ends for a team that can actually win. So I'm, I think Porzingis has got great potential. He's already shown the offensive potential, and his defense has come around a lot faster than people expected, considering the fact he's still very lanky, very skinny. But he can definitely hold his own in the in the front court. Number five, again, we we you know differentiate here. I'm going with Joel. Trust the process. Embiid. Everyone who listens to the show and you know how high I am on Embiid and how yes. much I've loved the process ever since he was drafted. Um, I think that um, I can understand putting. I think there are a lot safer bets than Embiid on this list, and the players behind Embiid that I have. I'm not going to say them right now. I don't want to ruin it, but they're a lot safer bets than Embiid. But I'm telling you, this guy has got potential to be a player that you just you sim. I simply cannot pass up on. I mean, the guy looks like the second coming of Hakeem Olajuwon, right. who's hitting threes. Yes. Okay. He's blocking shots at an elite rate. Defending the rim very well. His rebounding is pretty low, but that's because he's sometimes on the perimeter shooting jump shots. He's got a great three-point shot for, for now for a rookie who we didn't think would be able to spread the floor this easily. He's got a high usage percentage and is still maintaining quality production. I think he's averaging like 19 and 7 with right. like two and a half blocks per game in a minutes restriction. So you give him five, six more minutes a game, what is he doing? You know, like 20, 23 you know, 10 and 3 yeah. blocks per game. His potential's high, yeah. And he's got potential, like Porzingis, potential on both ends of the floor. I'm putting Porzingis above Embiid. I think that's because of the injuries. Um, and I think that Porzingis has obviously done it for a little bit longer in more NBA games than Embiid. Um, but I think Embiid is just as high potential as Porzingis on both ends of the floor. So that's why I'm putting Embiid at 5. Who do you have at 5 and then why do you have that um, So I have Andrew Wiggins at 5 from Minnesota again. I think that... Um, you know, he's a very extremely talented player. If you watch the Timberwolves play, you know, you come to watch Carl Anthony Towns and then you also get the treat of watching Wiggins and players like Levine, who I think we might touch upon a little bit later. Um, but I think that Wiggins is supremely talented, unquestionably on the offensive side. And I think that it's someone that if you put him on a team by himself, he has the ability to lead that offense and be a focal point in the offense going forward. Um, and so I think that Wiggins is for me number five, and I just be, I differentiate there because, like you said, I I also considered whether or not injuries would be a factor, and I know that Embiid has missed what almost almost two, two seasons, seasons, two seasons, which is a concern, and you know with big men injuries can be a problem. Oh yeah, this screams of like a Yao Ming, Bill Walton kind of thing where they right. they just cannot stay healthy for the entirety of career with tremendous talent that does not go to waste per se, but is not truly unlocked because of the injuries, especially right. for big men. Um, so I understand the concerns, obviously, there. My concern with Wiggins, not even a concern, my, my, my problem with Wiggins is I still don't think he's a good enough defender to be, you know, now you don't have to be good on both ends. James right. Harden's not good on both ends. Russ Westbrook, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, they're all below-average defenders. Right. Uh, but those are just elite, unstoppable offensive forces, which Wiggins is not. The yeah. problem I, 
yet. But the problem that I have with him being his own focal point on an offense is that his lack of playmaking is a serious concern. Now, he is a small forward. That, you know, small forwards don't traditionally pass or playmake unless you're like LeBron or, you know, right. Nicholas Patum, stuff like that. But the, I'm pretty sure, I don't have the numbers in front of me, I'm pretty sure he averages less than three assists per game and has done so for the entirety of career, which is now three seasons. Um, yeah, his, this is his third season. Um the lack of playmaking, I think, is a serious concern for me if he's going to be a focal point. And it kind of – the lack of shooting also, I think, kind of bothers me if I'm going to put him as a focal point of an offense. Now, of course, you can surround him with shooting. Um, but if he doesn't have shooting around him, he could struggle because he doesn't playmake. He doesn't shoot well himself. This year, he's doing a lot better from three-point range than, than his career you know, average. Um, we'll see if that can maintain. But if he reverts to his career averages, his assists per game is low. He's not a very efficient player. And he um, doesn't really do it on both ends, which, I mean, not everyone does. But he, if you're not going to play a lot of great defense, you got to be really great on offense, which he hasn't been yet. He can be, but the way his game is styled for kind of mid-range, kind of inefficient shots, um, I don't know if he's going to be an unstoppable force, like top 10 offensive player. Right, but and then look, I think he does have the potential to become that if he were to become the focal point of the team. Because right now he came in there, he had one year, and then Carl Anthony Towns came in, and that sort of became the focal point of the team as as opposed to him. Although he was supremely talented, number one pick the year. That's the reason why I think I think because the the hype and comparisons of him to to look players like LeBron, like all time greats when he was getting drafted number right. one, almost puts puts the pressure on fans and analysts to think you know. Come on, Andrew. You got to play make more. You got to be exactly play more defense. He's you were a number one style. pick. Who's not? He's not a number one pick. He's not just a number one pick. He's the number one pick who was hyped up to be essentially. I think Sports Illustrated said he was the next LeBron. I'm pretty sure. I think sure. so. Yeah. Not 100. percent So he's got pressure to do more than just score from the mid range, which is what he's essentially done for his career so far. But again, he's got time to grow. Good thing he's in the right place. Hopefully, he's in the right place. With hopefully Thibodeau doesn't you know mess up that young core. If he, if he keeps the young core, he's got time to develop with Towns and Levine and right. you know, other players, uh, Chris Dunn, stuff like that. So I have Wiggins at six. I think I've already talked enough about you know my concerns and you know the the kind of benefits of having Wiggins. Mm-hmm. Um, so who's who do you have at number six? You can explain a little bit more. I have uh, Porzingis. So like you said before, I too am very high on on Porzingis. Um, you know I would like to see him. Do it a, for a little bit lo- longer, you know, just in the league, just prove himself a little bit more. Maybe the end of this year, I'll move him up to three, to four, or something like that. But I think that, you know, like you said before, he's well-rounded player. He's very talented, um, and he, like you said, he's also not playing at his design position. He's not playing at center yet. So I think that when the Knicks move him over, or if he were to be the uh, franchise player on your team and you moved him to center, I think that you would see. Um, a dramatic increase in his production. So, um, and then moving to seven, um, I have Jabari Parker from Milwaukee. Um, I keep Par- I keep Parker low because I think that well, again, factoring his injury risk, I think that you know his history as a as a is a concern. But uh, I think that this year you've really seen him take off in terms of his poten- unlocking his potential and what we saw when and what people were talking about when he was coming out um, three years ago after Wiggins. In the in the draft, um, yeah. Um, so I have Parker a lot lower than you do. Well, not a lot lower. You give him seven. I'm gonna say I have him at nine. Right. Um, and at seven I have Drummond. So we've already talked enough about Drummond. So um, I guess I'll talk about um, I'll talk about my number eight and why I have number eight him above Jabari Parker before I get into Parker. Mm-hmm. And then you can comment on my number eight, of course. Okay. Um, so I have Miles Turner at eight. 
I mean, talking right now, I think I'd be okay with switching Jabari and Miles Turner. Um, but as of right now, I think I'm going to go with Turner. I mean, I think that Turner's got... I, I don't know what it is about Parker's game that kind of bothers me a little bit. But, I mean, you look at Turner and he's got... Um, and he's got, you know, you know, like 15 points a game, 7 rebounds per game. He's efficient. He can block shots. He can develop. He has a nice jumper he's developing. He's young. I think, again, he's not someone... He's someone like I think that could be a little bit better than Andre Drummond in, in when he fully grows up because I think he's right. got a little bit more offense, natural offensive skill that is there to unlock. Unlike Drummond, who I think is, you know, maybe like a Dwight Howard who doesn't really, you know, he can he, he does better with pick and rolls instead of post ups. You know, I think Miles Turner you can throw into the post, pick and pop, he can shoot the J, uh, pick and roll of course, and he's a good defender. He's not a bad defender. He's not great like Drummond, but again, he's he's younger mm-hmm. and has less time in his league. He's only a second year. Um, He's by no means a safe bet. I think he's um, I think he's safer than guys like Joel Embiid. Um, but um, I think I have him at Parker only because I have problems with Parker's game. That you know, I think it's just the way I like basketball is the way that kind of right, turns me Right, what you're looking Parker. for in a player. Now Parker's a power forward, um, and so you don't necessarily need shooting from the power forward position. But right. he does not provide shooting. It's right. it's been acceptable this year from three point range. But he doesn't take a lot, and in his career, overall, his career averages are really bad from three-point range, so he's not a shooter. Um, he's an athletic cutter and a great dunker. His defense has been really, really bad, really concerning. That's a real concern for the Bucks, and one of the main reasons why they don't play him and Monroe next to each other because they would just get scored on every right. possession because they're both not good on defense. But Parker's lack of D and lack of shooting kind of turns me off of him. I think he's really athletic. He's great at dunking. He's great at, you know... Not necessarily playmaking, but he knows he's he's developing a great chemistry with Giannis, um, and they could be a really nice, unstoppable duo in Milwaukee. Um, I do have him at number nine, so I have him in the top ten of players under 23. So I'm high on Parker, but not as high as I am on Turner, who I think is a little bit... I like... If you give me Turner, I think I can mold him into the player that can be a real focal point on both ends, while Parker, I think, would suffer on defense and, again, needs someone else to help him out on offense for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't actually have Miles Turner in my my top 10 or 11 that I wrote down on the top of my head. And I guess the only thing that held me back in terms of putting him in that top 10 is that, you know, he plays on a team where the offense focal point is around Paul George. And so my concern would be that if you just took Miles Turner out from Indiana and put him on a new team as the starting player or your, your main young guy that you're looking to develop, I'm concerned that, you know, he might not be able to replicate the numbers that he's improving upon this year. Um, in going forward. But I counter that by saying, what if I t- said the same thing with Jabari Parker? If I took him off Milwaukee and put him on his own team where he'd be the number one guy in offense, like, do you have confidence that he'd be putting up the same numbers at the, maybe in the same efficiency rate or something like that? I mean, I have concerns about him creating his own offense too. I don't know. I guess I'm I'm more I, I guess it, I'm more sold upon not like Miles Turner's center, so I'm more sold upon you know Jabari Parker at the at the four or you know playing maybe big three. I don't know. But um, I think that he would probably be a better fit for going forward in developing an offense around him as opposed to Miles Turner when you just take him and putting him as the focal point of a team. Um, moving to my eight, we talked about it before, Joel Embiid. Like you said, we both agree he's going to be Rookie of the Year. Um, and moving to number nine is his soon-to-be teammate. Hasn't actually stepped on the court yet, uh, Ben Simmons. Um, I'm very high on Ben Simmons. I think that he is and he is shown to be an incredible passer um you know he is a very well-rounded player in terms of you know he can bring he can handle the ball um he can't shoot the ball yet but hoping to develop that he can pass um and he definitely has the makings of what they would say to be i guess a lebron 
type player. He could become that because, you know, LeBron came in the league. He couldn't really shoot that well as well. So Ben Simmons has immense potential, and that's why I have him at number nine for me. I, I have... I don't have Simmons in my top 10. I have him in my honorable mentions because, one, I've never seen him play in, the NBA, in an NBA game, so I'm, I want to see that first, and I think it's kind of it's kind of a little bit too risky and kind of, you know, uh, yeah, a little bit too risky to put him in the top 10 of players under 23 when some of these guys have played three, three to four seasons, some of them have played at least one. It's hard, to, it's hard for me to confidently put Ben Simmons in the top 10 ahead of guys like Levine, you know, guys like Bradley Beal, uh, Devin Booker, D'Angelo Russell when he's never played. Right. You know, if we do this a year from now, after Simmons hopefully will play a cup, you know, at least a month or two this season, maybe not. You never know. Um, I just need to see Simmons on the court before I can confidently say he's top ten. He's got great potential. I'm worried about the lack of shooting, of course, um, but great playmaking, great handling of the ball. He should be okay on defense if he gives some effort. You know, right. he's got the size. Um, so that's your number nine. My number nine is Jabari Parker. We already talked about him and you know my concerns for him and why I put Miles Turner ahead of him. My number ten. We also dif- uh, differentiate here. I've got Bradley Beal, and I was torn between Beal or Zach Levine for this spot. They're both putting up similar numbers. Levine has jumped right. up to a 20 points per game score. I think a lot faster than people expected. It was before the dunk con. You know, before the dunk contest last year, a lot of people, a lot of you know, casual fans were basically thinking he's only a dunker. Right. He's not a dunker anymore. He's a scorer now, and he's mm-hmm. averaging I think three assists and three rebounds per game. So he's doing a little bit of everything. Um, again, with a young core in um, Towns and Wiggins around him. Um, but I'm going to go with Beal. There's something about Bradley Beal. I know he's always, almost always hurt. Like uh, every season, he has to miss at least ten to fifteen games, and that's a big concern. And that's why when we talk about you know maybe changing the order based on injury risk, I would. But Bradley Beal is excellent shooter, better shooter than Levine. Um, I think he's got more kind of potential, like more talent to just take over games with his scoring than Levine does. Um, he's averaging a career high. I think he's at like twenty three points per game this year for Beal, which is very good. Good, yeah, incredible. Um, even though the Wizards are, are garbage. Um, so I think it's just the Beal's, you know, kind of ability to take over a game with the scoring is a little bit higher than Levine, and I think he's been doing a little bit longer in this kind of role um, of a guy. Of course, he has to stay healthy, but that's why I've got Bradley Beal rounding out my top ten. Um, yeah, and for me, I actually disagree. I have Jokic from Denver as my number ten player, um, and I think that I, I agree Bradley Beal's a very talented player, um, but I again my concern would be you know if you would take him out and have make him try to make him the focal point of any team one that's he's I guess apparently he's not the most easiest person to get along with and two that might be John Wall that yeah. might be John Wall but John Wall's been there longer and hadn't had as many conflicts but and two is you know can he do that when teams are f- so focusing on him first as opposed to him second because you have to address the the play of John Wall when you're talking about the Wizards. The problem I have with that argument, again, is that if I took Levine off the Minnesota and put... He, Levine is the, comfortably the third option in Minnesota. Right. If you put him on his own team, I think he would struggle more than Beal, I think. Um, I don't know. I mean, they both probably struggle with the number it, one options. A, yeah. But at least Beal, when Wall is out, is the number one option, and he's the number two option, right. so and, it's pretty close to being the number one guy. Levine has never been a number one guy. He's never really been close to number one guy. This year, he's a, he's a close. close second. I think right. he's close to Wiggins, but Wiggins still gets the ball in his hands more. Um, that's why I have some concerns in, in terms of that argument. And but, to be fair, I also I didn't have Levine over Beal. I had Jokic, who I yeah, think is... Yeah, exactly. If you watch Denver play, and I don't think Mike Malone has been using him as well as Absolutely he could not. be. And I think a lot of people have been talking about that on Twitter and other places, that I think that Jokic has great potential. He's... A, Fairly good player efficiency rating, considering that you know his minutes that he gets and the looks that he gets in that Denver offense. So I think that Jokic, he is a very big guy. Can he can 
you know, he can score, he can rebound. And I think that in the coming years, he'll probably move up that list for everyone. He's just not getting the attention that he deserves right now in Denver, both from the coaching staff and from the fans as a whole. It just uh, it, there was a lot of people on NBA Twitter who were really hyping Jokic up, especially for fantasy basketball, which I'm really involved in. Um, the problem is one, he's been yeah, he's been mismanaged by Malone. The rotations are abysmal in Denver. They, Malone does not know who he wants to play at what times. He started off Jokic and Nurkic. That didn't work out at all. Moved Jokic to the bench. Then Jokic's confidence was shot, so he's you know struggled. Then he's back to playing this well, and now he's not playing Nurkic. It's a mess. The Nuggets really need a trade to open up the space for Jokic to just take over as the starting center. I don't know who they trade to do that, but they've got to make some trades, clear things up. Right. And I, I like Jokic a lot. I really wanted to put him on this list, but I don't know. I just chose a couple of guys ahead of him. Um, so moving on to my honorable mentions, I've got four. We already talked about most of them. Zach Levine is one of them. This is in no real order, by the way. Zach Levine is one. Devin Booker, D'Angelo Russell, and then I, we already talked about Ben Simmons. Uh, in terms of Booker... I was super high on him last year. I'm still high on him, but he's struggling really hard this season. Uh, his shooting, he, he came into the league, you know, touted as a good three-point shooter. He's turned into a really, a, quite a poor one, really, for someone who, who was, you know, that's what is kind of his, um, kind of his hallmark is the three-point shooting. But he's developed um, a nice playmaking game. You can kind of handle the ball more, play make a little more than people thought, but the shooting is really disappointing. I mean, his, overall, his season so far has been very disappointing in terms of the hype he was receiving. D'Angelo Russell, uh, he was injured for a good part of the season, so it's hard to tell what his season's like this so far. He's still showing great potential. He's shown games where he can just take over, ice right. in his veins, you know, yep. hit, <laughs> hit game-winning shots, take over games late. So I have more confidence in Russell than Booker right now. Uh, but then again, there were some concerns about him leading a team as, as a leading playmaker right. and, and point guard and, and be a real leader of a team. Um, and some injuries that kept him out of my top ten. So you can mention some uh, yeah, and, and other guys. Yeah, and just just to toss in, I agree, and I have Jangelo Russell as a honorable mention, um, Booker, Beal, and then one last guy I want to talk about is Russell's teammate, Brandon Ingram. I know he's been very disappointing this year in terms of the numbers that he's put up, but I think that if you took the time, he is one of those players again. When you when you look at him and the, his size and his skill set that you can really take him and transform him and you know he's still very 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 young so he can have he has the potential to become um you know one of those guys where he can become the focal point of the offense in three to four years so he's not on the top 10 now he's not close to i'd say probably around 14 or something like that 15 but he's definitely up there considering in four three to four years he'll probably be one of those guys we're talking about at the top of the list yeah i mean i don't think he has the playmaking ability of Giannis, but Two years ago, two or three years ago, people were saying Giannis is a project who could develop into a serious playmaker. Exactly. Same kind of build. Giannis is a little bit taller, lankier, a little bit, you know, I think he's a little bit more athletic, really. But um, Brandon Ingram already has shooting. He has a shooting skill that Giannis still doesn't have. Right. If Giannis developed a shot, forget about it. He'd be unstoppable. But um, there, is a, there is a chance that I doubt it, but there's a chance that in, in two to three years, the Lakers have already given Ingram some, you know, kind of point guard duties by having him dribble up the, the ball up the floor. Maybe he could develop some playmaking, turn into a, a you know a poor man's version of Giannis, which would be you know the Lakers would love that next to D'Angelo Russell. Right. Um, just quickly, um, in terms of if we wanted to factor in injury risk, I probably would switch Levine and Beal because Levine hasn't really had any injuries and Beal has had a lot. Right. Um, I might switch uh, Anthony Davis and Towns. I probably wouldn't because Anth- I would just bank on Davis being healthy. Right. And when he's you, healthy, he's a lot better than Towns when they're both healthy. You can't be praying that Anthony Davis gets hurt if you pick. Yeah. You it, want. You want. Exactly. Have Anthony Davis. Now, if I was a conservative GM, who was I probably I might pick Towns. And some GMs still would probably pick Towns because of Anthony Davis's injury risk. But we'll see if he can stay healthy this season because that'd be a big deal. 
um, in terms of that. And uh, I might move Embiid down a spot, but I'd probably, as I said before, I just gamble on that kind of once-in-a-generation type of talent that I think he has, like the second coming of Hakeem Olajuwon. So those are my three kind of changes I might make if, I, if we were actually factoring in injury risk, if you have any changes. you would. I, No, I, I, when I set my order, I was considering injuries. That's why you saw I had Embiid a bit lower, and I dinged Parker some because of their injury histories. So I think that... You know, you definitely have to account for that because these are young guys. You know, injuries will develop as they get older. So you have to think about that, how that factors in now in terms of their play style. Yeah, I mean, the best part of doing this is that we can kind of track this. You know, we've written this down. We can track it over the next months, right. years to see, you know, which players do, you know, turn out to be as good as we thought they were going to be. Um, so before we get to our final segment, I want to remind everyone that we are brought to you uh, by Fan Essentials, a really great um, subscription service for your favorite uh, pro sports team. So you go to fanessentials.net. Um, choose your favorite sport within your favorite league and uh, choose your subscription package size and you will get a um, box of your favorite team's gear shipped right to your door every month. Again, use promo code 94FEED at checkout for 30% off your first subscription of Fan Essentials. I really recommend it. I've used it for the Rockets before. It was really great. Gets you some really uh, nice, unique gear for your favorite team. With that being said, our final segment uh, of episode 3 of Free Talk Friday is going to be a little bit of an opinion segment. Um, and really the, the kind of controversial issue that has, um, you know, kind of come up in the past week is the resting of players. Right. Um, we saw it when the Cavs rested all their big three in the game against Memphis, and then, you know, Marcus Gasol rested the, the game before because it was a back-to-back in Cleveland and then in Memphis. Um, there are takes for both sides. Some people defend it. Some people don't defend it and think it's kind of cheap. We've got these old-timers saying, oh, we would have played every game, but I think that if they knew that if they had the information on their bodies, they probably wouldn't. Wouldn't, yeah. I think. Now, I don't know. They might, there might be wired differently. That might be a thing. I don't think so. But, um, And I, my, my thing is that I understand that, you know, that players that are old or have nagging injuries. So it was rumored that Kyrie actually had a nagging injury and they held him out. Right. And LeBron was just resting because he's had such a workload. I mean – I saw people complaining about LeBron resting, but people said, have to keep in yeah. mind he's made six straight finals, which means he plays over 100 games a year, basically. Right. And plays into June, and then probably plays, you know, you know, he stopped playing the Olympics, but, he, you know, he could play. And he used to play in the summers, obviously, training to get better. Training camp starts in September. That's not a, that's not a huge layoff right. for the for best player in the world who yeah. handles such a big, you know, role in his team. And the physical style of play in And the way he plays. plays. Um, I understand LeBron. I do not understand Kevin Love resting. He's not old. He has not played in the playoffs a lot. He does not have any injuries. I was a little bit disappointed that Love was resting, but you know what? I, I understand for title contenders to rest their players. Right. The Kings resting Boogie Cousins on Wednesday against the Rockets was almost a, a, inexcusable to me because the team is not making the playoffs. Um, they should, you know, they really, unless they want to get their lower draft pick, that's the only reason they should rest him. I think they rested him because Rudy Gay was out, so they knew they were going to lose anyway, so why not rest Cousins? But Maybe. They didn't play the night before, and they didn't play the night after, so... It's right. not a back-to-back, not a four games and five nights kind of thing. That was a little bit inexcusable to me. Um, and the problem, the only problem I have is that, like, yes, teams do promote big games, right? The Grizzlies are probably promoted for the entire year. The Cavs are coming. The one time you'll get to see the Cavs, the NBA champions, LeBron James, Kyrie right. Irving, Kevin Love, and they don't even show up. They don't even show up no, to Memphis. You all. can't even see them in the arena. That's, yeah. They're not even in Memphis. And you pay these large ticket prices to not to see a backup D-League Cleveland Cavaliers squad play a backup D-League Memphis Grizzlies squad. Right. Um, and I get the fans are complaining. I paid all this money. This is Christmas gifts, blah, blah, blah. I want to see the best players. You know, you jacked up the prices and right. they're not here. I understand that, but you've got to also analyze it from a perspective of a, of a championship contending team 
who knows that if they rest this game and they rest another game in, in January and another game in March, they will be have a little bit more energy for the, the championship run, which is all that matters for the Cavs and teams like the Warriors and the Spurs and Clippers and Raptors, stuff like that. Right, exactly. And I think that the way you have to look at it is as this. As a person who is a fan of the NBA, yes, you when you turn on the TNT game or the ESPN game and three players are sitting out, it's not it, it dilutes the quality. You don't want to watch a game when LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love are not playing and Marcus Sewell's not playing. It's not interesting. But then again, you have to think about it this way. If the, if would you rather have those guys playing now and then potentially have them at the risk higher risk of injury and missing the playoff games when you want when everyone's going to be involved and the focus is on and the attention is on the pressure is on and the games really matter not to say regular season doesn't matter but for teams like you said like the Cavs like the Warriors like the Spurs like the Raptors they know they're making the playoffs they, they know that they know they're making their they know they their know, seed basically. they know they know basically what seed they're going to be barring major injury risk which is something they're trying to avoid by sitting out players in which they have three ga- three games in four nights or something like that. That is that is a decision that the team has to make in terms of how are we prioritizing the health of our players versus the the um, the the mood of the fans because the fans are going to be upset when LeBron those that big three sits out, but are they going to be upset when they brought home the trophy, the Larry O'Brien Trophy last June? They weren't. They were very happy. They don't care if their players. LeBron set us out the last twelve games as long as they win the. The, the championship at the end of the year. So it's sort of sacrificing the now versus the long-term. You know, you're prioritizing players' um, health and influence in the playoffs and later down during the season when the games are more crucial. Um, that being said, like you said, Cousins sitting out against the Rockets on a just a regular game, it is unexcusable, and it is a little bit frustrating and annoying because unless they have some sort of deal with contingent upon Cousins not getting hurt, it doesn't make sense why they would sit him out. Um, you know, it's not like he has any looming incentives that would they would cost the the Kings another twenty million dollars if he played that night. No, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's it's about it's a it's sort of disrespectful to the fans who are coming out on a regular you know Wednesday Tuesday night and seeing the game and that's that's what matters to them in that moment. They don't care about the Kings going down down in the future. It just it's a question of you know I can understand championship teams doing it, but just regular run-of-the-mill teams who are just competing for the eighth seed or the not even? I, I That's my thing. I understand championship teams can doing it with with, um, their, with any of their players, really. Any of their key players, I understand them doing it. Which is why I'm kind of forgiving the Cavs for Kevin Love a little bit because they've got higher aspirations than 98% of the rest of the league. Right. But the Kings resting cousins, teams that are not contending – if you're resting guys who are not past their prime, if the if the Mavericks rest Dirk, well, they suck now, so they probably want to tank anyway. Like but if Harrison they were, Barnes. if if the if the Mavericks want, there's no point for the Mavericks to rest Harrison Barnes. There is a point for them to rest Dirk because right. he's old and he might actually get hurt and might have to retire immediately. I don't exactly. Know. But teams that are championship contenders, I I'm okay with them resting anyone really, especially on you know Wednesday games in Memphis. Like, come on, man. right? If it's not a TV game, it's a little bit different. The reason people brought up, you know, no, they don't get fined anymore. Well, the, the Spurs rest their players on a TNT game, so David Stern said, no, you're going to get fined. But if you don't rest them on a, a, a national TV game, if you rest them on a normal league pass game, you're not going to get fined because no one's going to be watching the game except fans of the teams. So, you know, teams that are contenders for real contenders for the titles, I'm not talking, you know, playoff contenders. I'm talking about top two seeds right. in conferences or top three seeds. Basically four teams, five yeah. teams in the league four or five teams can, can get away with it. Yes. Other teams should be playing their guys – 
because one, they're going to need to play them to get you know higher playoff seed or make the playoffs at all. And two, that if they're in their prime or not past their prime, they should be playing almost every game unless they have nagging injuries and you don't want to risk them long term. Obviously, James Harden has a sore ankle. I'm not playing him one night, especially if it's against the Pelicans. Like or it's a back to back or three or four. Exactly. If they're not hurt or not complaining, you should play them because you you need them and you know the fans want them and you know, the organizations should want them. So yeah, that, those are our opinions on players wrestling. Pretty controversial issue, anyways. But um, that'll conclude episode three of Free Talk Friday. Alex, I want to thank you again for joining us. You can uh, let everyone know where they can follow you on Twitter. Um, thank you, Eric, for having me. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Spyro one four nine five. Spyro one four nine five. Just have a mixture of things on there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wide, wide variety. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Eric Spiros, um, and you'll get all the podcast information there. Um, again, this was episode three of Free Talk Friday um, of the 94 Feet Report. We will be back again on Monday with our normal hour long episode. Um, see you guys then. Have a great weekend. Take care, guys. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.